What's happening, Charlotte One? It's good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, it's really good to be with you guys. Uh, I was here a few months back. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I was here a little while ago uh, hanging with you guys. Uh, this time, though, they, they one upped me and brought uh, Jeannie Stevens, my wife, to yes. uh, talk tonight. We're gonna, it's good to be here. Yeah. Great to be here. It's the, you're getting the package deal tonight, the total package. Um, it's been cool uh, talking with Dave and seeing what's been going on, especially last week at Hall House. How many of you guys were at Hall House last week and kind of part of that? Man, it's so cool. I wish we could have been here. I've seen, I went through all the pictures and what God's doing through the Love Mercy campaign and what's happening here at Charlotte One. It honestly is a really cool deal for us to be in and a part of what God's doing here. We live in Atlanta, but man, we don't mind at all making the drive up to, uh, to be with you guys, to hang with Dave and the team, because we just love what God's doing here, and that's a very real deal for us. Uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to be diving into a topic that, um, man, I think for every one of us, we want to kind of get right, and that's the whole area of relationships, and, and what does God have to speak into our relationships, our identity, our purity, and all that kind of stuff that goes into it, and uh, instead of wasting time with a lot of, like, um, surfacey kind of expected answers to lame questions, you know, lots of times when people get up and talk about it at church, you're like, dude, that's not even what I was thinking about. You don't even know. Listen, we, we want to like dive into the, the real deal as deep as we can get. As much as you'll kind of open your heart and trust God uh, with your relationships and with your life, we want to go to that place and to seek God's heart and what he would say to us and be willing to respond to him as his truth kind of penetrates our life and our relationships. We're just, we're going to go after that for the next two weeks and get really, really real and honest with God. Because I think honestly, every one of us at some level, wants to get this thing right, the relationship thing right. We want to do it sort of God's way. We want to make this sort of as spiritual as possible. But then it doesn't work out like we thought it was going to. And we get desperate. Or we get anxious. Or you screw up. And you end up kind of just with, with, with these sort of broken expectations, this broken image, and honestly, like a, a broken sense of who you are and what God wants from our relationships at the end of it all. So we're just going to kind of go all the way after it, be as honest as possible, and get after God's heart on this one. The reason Gene and I are here is because we're honestly the preeminent experts on love, sex, and dating. We, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. we've practically written a book on it, you guys. Yeah. Um, it's a long book. Well, it's more of a pamphlet than it is a book. Right, um, right. But the point is, we're the, we're the, we're the experts. We That's really why are. Some we have really even called are. us the sexperts. Wait, what? Did I just? I'm kidding. I kid. See, we're going to do that. We're going to have some fun. Uh, no, we're, uh, we're, we, we know like this whole dating thing. We're kind of down with, we know the complexities of, of what it means to kind of be single, you know, especially in this season of life and this world we live in. We know about the necking that you guys are doing. We, we know about parking, you know, mm. in your car, what it means to ask your best girl out to the drive-in. Listen, we're down with what's going on in your life. We are up to date with all the terms and lingo, and so we are, we are uh, ready to dive into this, don't you think? This, we are. Yeah. We absolutely are. And, uh, you know, when it comes to relationships and when it comes to sharing your life with another person, I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, when we talk about this this whole thing about relating to the opposite sex and, and being in relationship with one another, uh, we all have a certain set 
of desires. We all have a certain set of, of hopes and dreams and, and thoughts uh, when it comes to this whole idea of, of sharing your life with another person. And, and I'm just curious, um, you know, if you don't want to raise your hand, you don't have to, but just out of curiosity's sake, how many of you would say that at some point in your life you have prayed for your future spouse, that at some point you've prayed right, for your good. future spouse. Okay, there's a good amount of us. No judging here. If you haven't, no big deal. Uh, how many of you, okay, how many of you, if you were to really be honest, you have a bit of an idea of what you hope that person, that future spouse, would be like? You have some ideas. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, how many of you actually already know who your future spouse is and they just don't know yet? Awesome. Okay. Okay. Now, now, here's the problem. If they're in this room and you're trying to sit near them, that is what we call stalking. Yeah, we have laws against that, actually. And so that usually Not doesn't good. tend to work out for you. Yeah, um, so, good. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that, honestly, I, I would have been one that would have raised her hand. I, I, I prayed for my future spouse, and, and I had a sense and an idea of, of what I hoped that person would be like. And, oh, he's so much more than that now. That's right, right? I obliterated that yeah. list. No, he told me to say that, yeah, so no, um, no I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He is, he is so much more than that. But I, I think that it is very real and it is safe to say that many of us, we have a set of desires and ideas of what we hope that person is going to be like, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing uh, to pray for that person and, and to have thoughts and ideas and hopes. And so I thought just, you know, to have a little bit of a better idea of what we're talking about, what I wanted to do tonight uh, is I wanted to actually sort of make a little bit of a list, okay? So to take, you know, just our hand raising to one more level. And so, gentlemen, I'm going to actually start with you, okay? And we're going to do a little bit of audience participation, okay? So ladies, you have to, you have to be quiet for a few moments. You will have a chance to speak in just right. a moment, okay? Right. Gentlemen, I would like to know from you if you could describe the perfect girl, okay? Well, okay. No, no yeah, names that's, allowed, that's, that's okay? That's good. That gets you points afterwards. I don't want to hear Mary. I'm I don't so want to hear Jamie. I'm so glad you took that opportunity. I don't want to hear somebody's phone number. Jamie, you must be okay? so proud. Okay, that would be really uncomfortable. All right. All right. I'm just talking. Okay, guys, if you could say, this is what we are really looking for, okay? I want you to shout out a couple of those, okay? So, guys, what is it? Fabulous. Fabulous. All right. All right. You are just what? going straight that's for a, it. That's a one, fabulous. That's a wonderful word. Basically, ladies, you need to be fabulous, okay? It's very specific and descriptive. So the bar is yeah. set high. You need to be fabulous. Anything else, fabulous. guys? Is that it? Sexy. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Uh, why did you okay. start with the guys? Yes. <laughs> Any other adjectives you'd like to put with that? Intelligent. Attentive. Intelligent. Intelligent. Godly. That's good. Someone. Godly, I'm glad that, I'm glad that came three items after I'm sexy. I'm glad that's down here, number sexy, four. Sexy, fabulous, uh, godly. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I mean, maybe. Maybe. It is on you the know? list. It's on the so, list. What else? Self-respect. Self-respect. I like that. Yeah. Very good. All right. I feel like confident. Self-respect. Confident. I like that's it. It's good. Honest. Yeah. Wow. It's good. Come on, guys. Show up. 
Did somebody really say rich? Because if you said rich, I appreciate your honesty. You're honest. That's honest. That's a good character. Why not? Sugar mama. Let's do this. All right. Anything else you'd like to put on the list? What? I missed that. What was that? What was that? I missed it. Single. Single. Whoa. That should really be at the top, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. That should be at the top. I think that's fair to say. I think we need to change the entire message. Yeah. Yeah. All, <laughs> All right. right. Good. This is this is a, this is a yeah. thoughtful list. We need to start at square one. Yeah. Let's go. Definitely single. right here. All right. Good. Uh, late guys, I, I'm. Thank you. We, I'm glad we started with the guys. Ladies, let's let's redeem uh, these, these fallen men. Uh, ladies, if you could have the perfect guy, what would be some of those attributes? Respectful. 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 All right. A leader. What else? Honest. Helpful. Okay, I think we touched a nerve here. <laughs> Trying to keep up. Start to feel some aggression. Yeah. <laughs> Has, Has a, a job. job. <laughs> and I think, yeah. Maybe I like it. Doesn't live with their parents, their parents anymore. Basement. Yeah, maybe yeah. that goes with the J-O-B. There. Not that there's anything what? wrong with that. God-fearing. God-fearing. I'm going to put godly, if that's all right. Okay. Summarize that. Anything else? What else? Sense of humor, faithful. Humor. Good. Handsome. That's right. All right. Loves kids. Wow. I wouldn't lead with that. I'm just saying. Yeah, wouldn't lead. That's probably good. All right, that's good. We can. It's a good uh, list. I can't even. I didn't even get all those. That's great. Yeah. Caring, I think caring was another one that I missed there. All right, so that's good. Now let's just kind of look at this for a second. I. I don't. I. We're good. We're done. <laughs> and sexy. Is that it? Is that yeah. what you said? Hot. Maybe just put that right across just, diagonally. Yeah, hot. We got. We got leaders, so we'll just yeah. connect those. There. A hot leader, even a better. Hot, a hot. Basically, yeah, a Christian supermodel guy. There you go. So, <laughs> right? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Guys, you can kind of look at, <laughs> at what's expected of you. And I apologize. I stopped writing in English about halfway through. I could not keep up. Girls, you can kind of, if you can see that or kind of remember those. And you heard some of the ones we shouted out, just by show of hands. Uh, and this is guys and girls. How many of you do say, like, you have one of those attributes? Maybe you're, you're batting all the, I mean, you're doing all right. You got at least one you got of those. one. Everyone's yeah, like, I mean, let's I'm hope, sexy. Let's hope so. I'm sexy, yeah. yeah come on. Sexy, come yeah. Come on, feel. right here. I'm not asking necessarily which one, but you got one. Yeah. All right. How many of you would say that, like, you've got a few? A few of those. Like, you look at that, you go, I'm not doing so bad. All right. All right, that's good. Got some honesty. <laughs> this is a good opportunity to kind of be looking around at who's raising their hand. Um, how many of you would say, as you've looked at this list, guy, you know, like the guy side and the lady side, you embody all of these traits, just so I show. Really? Oh awesome. my. Okay, yeah, you guys. You can <laughs> sit down. That's good. Up. You can sit down. This is. It'd be really bad if you started handing out your phone. Yeah, number, that's right. Okay? He was Don't ready for this that. moment. He came ready for this moment. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I, honestly, like, I, th there's nothing wrong with, with these kind of lists and saying, like, you know what, man, this is really, th this is what I desire, God. This is kind of what I'm, I'm hoping for. You know, I, again, I think the single thing is very, is very important. Um, it's just, it's a good place to start. Uh, there's nothing wrong, honestly, and what we want to kind of dive into tonight, there's nothing wrong with, with having these kind of desires and really truly saying, like, God, this is what I desire, this type of person, this 
if this type of guy or this type of girl, God, if you could bring them into my life, like Jean said, maybe you've been praying for that, or you kind of have a mental list, nothing wrong with those desires. The, the problem comes, though, is when those desires begin to drive your life. That's when it gets really, when we get into kind of thin ice. And when you stop being dependent on God, and you start depending on yourself or your plans or your lists. And so we kind of want to like dive into that tension between what does it mean really to, to have these sort of good desires but to be fully dependent on yeah. God? And, and I think that it, it starts at a very early age, these desires that, that we have for, for someone to be a part of our lives and what we want that someone to look like. And uh, I, I actually remember uh, very early on, one of my earliest memories of that profound desire that someone actually had for me uh, was in Mrs. Ormsby's kindergarten class. And uh, I totally remember in her kindergarten class, she had all of these stations set up around the room. And we had the opportunity to sort of explore what we might want to be one day when we grew up. And she had a music station, and we could go play all the musical instruments. And she had an art station, and you know, she had a fire truck and a police station, you know, if we wanted to do something like that. She had a very politically incorrect teepee, in case we wanted to be an Indian one day. Native American, yeah. Uh, it was a while ago. I think we've yeah. learned our lesson. Uh, and, and over in the corner, I totally remember she had this like house. And we could go in there and we could play house and, you know, there was like a little kitchen and all this kind of stuff. Well, I remember very clearly one day I was over playing in the house and I was playing, you know, doing some stuff with the other five-year-olds. And I remember Steve Sullivan comes walking into the house and he walks right up to me and he says, Jeannie, you are going to be my wife today and you are going to fix me dinner and then you're going to wash the dishes and after that, you're going to take care of our kids. It's not messing around. Now, unfortunately for Steve Sullivan, he had absolutely no idea who he was speaking to. And so I took it upon my five-year-old self to inform him how things were going to work in my house. Mm. And I said to Steve Sullivan, Steve Sullivan, I am not going to be your wife today. And I'm certainly not going to cook your dinner. And I'm not going to wash those imaginary dishes over there. You can do that yourself. And you know those ugly dolls in the corner? Those aren't my kids. <laughs> Steve. I said, Steve Sullivan, you have no idea. I am a confident five-year-old woman, and I do not need a man to define myself. Come on. And I remember very clearly thinking, this is weird, this whole thing between girls and boys and this desire that we have for one another. And it starts at a really age. young age. Yeah, because we, we kind of grow up in a culture, especially if you've grown up around church or Christian culture, if you've kind of been around this sort of thing, you grow up with this expectation that really, honestly, you're, you are supposed to be with someone. And that's when you arrive, is when you get married. That's when you kind of start to register and you sort of count, honestly. And that without saying it, I think what we're really saying is that you're really not someone until you're with someone, right? You're really not someone unless you're with someone or until you're with someone. And it's just kind of a culture that's, especially in churchy kind of Christian things, that's just sort of the assumption. That's what you're supposed to do, and you're not there yet until you've done that. And it's, it's not just that, because it's kind of all around us, too. I mean, we kind of see it everywhere you go, especially like I mean, it's like the most bizarre thing, like that Facebook sort of determines your relational realities, you know? 
And let me just say a side note. If you break up with someone on your status update, that's cold-blooded. That's just like, <laughs> you need to step it up a notch, all right? Because like, you can kind of tell where your friends are at, or maybe that's how you let everyone know where you're at, based on your relational status. That's one of the key indicators. That's one of the ones that gets changed most often. Because there's lots of different ones, right? There's single, uh, there's in a relationship, there's engaged, there's married, and then there's, it's complicated. <laughs> and then How there's, many's ever had that? Is yeah, it's, it's complicated. complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. Don't, and then the last one, which I think is, is so loving of Facebook, um, in an open relationship, <laughs> which is just smarmy and sketchy. Uh, <laughs> So you know how it is, like if you're on Facebook, and that's kind of how you sort of say like, well, this is sort of where I'm at, and this is sort of where I fit in that scale of expectance that we have, that you have to sort of be in a relationship or be with someone. And so for those who have kind of the single status, you're sort of hoping that things are going to move into a relationship, right? That's the desire, is that your singleness will turn into a relationship. And for those of us who are in a relationship, the desire that you have there most likely is that maybe this relationship will move to being engaged. And if you're engaged, hopefully, maybe it'll move to marriage, and then depending on the laws in your state, open. Uh, but so <laughs> every step along the way, we sort of have these desires, right, for sort of what's next or what we hope or how we think it'll work out or what maybe we were told it was supposed to be like. And again, we want you to hear this very clearly. Those desires are not bad. Desiring to be in a relationship or desiring to be married is not a bad thing. In fact, oftentimes that desire is a God-given desire. The problem is when that desire to be in a relationship or to be married becomes your God, you've become completely dependent on yourself. And you lose all perspective of who you are and who God is and how even to interact with others. That, that's sort of the, the, the thing we want to speak into yeah. tonight. And, and there's an absolutely amazing story in the Old Testament um, about a man obsessed over a woman. Uh, it's the story of Jacob and uh, his obsession over this woman, Rachel. And, you know, some of you may have heard the story. Uh, for those of you that haven't, I'll give you sort of the cliff notes. Um, essentially, um, he has this deep uh, desire that comes up in his life uh, for this girl named Rachel, but it comes on the heels of some trouble that he gets himself into. Um, essentially, he takes his brother Esau's blessing, and his mom says, you know, your brother's not so happy with you. You might want to get out of here, um, and so go stay with your Uncle Laban for a while. And so Jacob makes a long trek, and he goes to stay with his Uncle Laban, and, and before he gets to his Uncle Laban, um, he actually meets Rachel. And um, he, he actually, it says that when he reaches Rachel, that he kisses her and he breaks into tears. So it's quite an introduction that they have with one another. Touch, yeah. um, but eventually he gets to Uncle Laban, and Uncle Laban offers him a job to herd his sheep. And in exchange for his work, the Bible says in Genesis 29, 18, it says, Jacob, who was in love with Rachel, okay, he's seen her once, and he breaks into tears and kisses her. It says that Jacob, who was in love with Rachel, Laban's daughter, said, I'll work for you for seven years and return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Now, remember... Laban is Jacob's uncle, so that makes Rachel who? His cousin. Cousin. Interesting family reunions one day. So going to have some um, ugly kids. Nonetheless, Laban says to him, okay, it's cool, that's fine. And the Bible says in Genesis 29, 20, 
So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. So, I mean, here is a man obsessed over a girl. I mean, he's willing to work for seven years for free just so that he can marry this woman of his dreams. And so the seven years were up, and Jacob basically says, you know, to Laban, okay, I've done my, my dues, you know, give me the woman that you promised me. And so Uncle Laban throws them this big old wedding feast, and the night of the wedding, Laban sends the other daughter, Leah, into the honeymoon suite with Jacob, which, you know, I'm sure this happens all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. Um, you know. It's a common mistake. Needless to say, needless to say, Jacob is not happy about the situation. I mean, here he's now worked seven years for Rachel, and what he gets is Leah. And so Laban explains, you know, this is customary for the older daughter to marry first, so if Jacob wanted Rachel, he would have to work another seven years for free. And so Rachel, or so Jacob, a man in love with Rachel, says, I'll do it. I'll work for free another seven years. And so now, Jacob, at the end of that week, Rachel moves in. So now he's living with his two cousins, who are also sisters, um, in one house. Little reality television back in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and, you know, this thing that Jacob has now spent eventually 14 years of his life, 14 years of his life, working for free just because of his obsession for love, his life becomes even more complicated. I mean, you can go in and you can read through Genesis all of the things that start to unravel in Jacob's life just over this obsession for a person to be a part of his life. And it's a fascinating story of when we put our desires for something ahead of our dependence on God. Yeah, I mean, there's just a couple things you can learn from that story. It really is a wonderfully dysfunctional story. Uh, first and foremost, uh, dating and marrying your cousins just never works out like you think it's gonna. I think that's just, if you get anything tonight, get that. Um, have words to live by. This words to live by, words that's right. Um, and I think another thing, too, that you can get from that story, because I, I do think it's a, this great sort of picture of when our desires eclipse our dependence on God, Jacob was obsessed, obsessed with Rachel. I mean, who do you know that has worked 14 years for free for the love of their cousin? I mean, it's just, he had, he's lost sort of all perspective. He really is, and, and there's a romantic side of that. We go, oh, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. He was obsessed, and that desire was driving his life, and it led to all sorts of other complications, because the reality is, even when he got Rachel, it didn't all come together. In fact, his life actually got more complex, and there was more sort of tensions that he had to navigate, even though he got the thing he wanted. That, it's a wonderful sort of parable and story of what happens when our desires eclipse, and our desires for relationship, not a bad thing, eclipse our dependence on God, and we begin to take things kind of into our, our own hands. There's a huge difference between these words. Let me see if I can um, capture this and write it in English as best I can. Thank you, Jeannie. So you have desire on one hand, okay? This is not a bad thing, right? I think we all have healthy and even godly, even God-given desires. I desire to be healthy. I desire to like, have a healthy life about myself. I desire to uh, do work that is satisfying, that I actually enjoy, have a, jo have a job, and then 
have it be one that I enjoy. I desire that. I desire to have meaningful friendships and relationships. Okay, that's, none of those things are bad. Those desires are not bad. The, the problem is, as we saw in that story, is when our desires become greater than our dependence, we're in trouble. Let me put it to you this way. Desire, ultimately, is wanting something that you cannot control. I mean, at the end of the day, when you desire something, you want something. It's because you want something that really is out of your control. Dependence is admitting that you're out of control. Desire is wanting something that you cannot control. You really, ultimately, I mean, you can do, you can run, you can eat healthy, but I mean, anything can happen at some point, and the, the odds of you being physically perfectly healthy are, are out of your control. You can desire to have a job, and you may even have a job that you love, you could lose your job. So those desires are not bad things, they're just desires for things, they're wanting things that are out of our control. Dependence on God, on the other hand, is saying, look, I already admit that I'm not in control. And I choose God to trust you. Instead of being driven by my desires for things that I cannot control, I admit, God, I confess, God, I acknowledge, God, that I'm actually not in control to begin with. And so I choose to trust you. I lay my desires down before you, God. These are not bad. It's just when they become the driving force in your life that we're in trouble. Desire? Not a bad thing. Dependence, a better thing. A much, much better thing. Who else would you want to trust, depend, lean into other than the God who created you, the God who knows your heart, the God who knows your thoughts, the God who knows, actually, your desires? Who else would you want to trust with those things? Those things maybe that are driving or determining your life. Maybe it's things that no one else even knows about. Are you going to trust yourself sort of to take control of those things? Or are you going to say, you know what, God, this is my heart, this is what I desire, but I lay it down and I depend on you. I depend on you. I depend and trust the one who created me, who knows me. I depend a Savior who was never married who never was married. And all our anxiety over our identity as being single or in a relationship or whatever your status is, I depend on the one who for whatever reason was so dependent on his father God, he didn't need to be married. That's not a message we talk a lot about in church. But I know where my Savior's dependence was in. And that's where I want my dependence to be in, not on my own uh, abilities to impress someone. I don't want to depend on my own image to sort of attract someone. I don't want to depend on my expectations maybe that I've had for a long time. I don't want to depend on circumstances that are going around me. I want to depend on God with all of who I am, including my relationships. Yeah, and it's amazing to me how much God, uh, this is a theme throughout the Bible, and, and really it's a theme throughout a relationship that any human being would have with a loving God. Uh, this, this isn't just reserved for those that are single and desiring to find a mate. I, I mean, it's amazing to me at the deepest core levels how God is dealing with this area in my life right now. 
Uh, I happen to be one of those people um, that deeply desires to be in control. Um, I, I, I love control. Um, if I can get it and keep it, I just try and wrap my little white knuckles around it and hold on to it as long as possible. And, and it plays itself out in every single area of my life. Not only do I like control, I also like lists. I make lists for my lists. Um, I'm incredibly dysfunctional. And I'm the kind of person that literally looks at my days as a blank canvas and I, and I start to, to list off the things that I need to do and the, and the things that I need to accomplish and the things that I need to be about. And it's just, I, I put little boxes next to them and, and I start to make my set of desires as to how I'm going to move through life. And it's amazing to me how God meets me right in that issue of control. And he's constantly asking me this question, Jeannie, what do you want more? Do you want to be in control of the things that you desire? Or do you want to trust me? Do you want to be in control of, of all these things on your list and all these things that you think are going to make your life perfect? Or do you trust me? Because these aren't bad things. But when these eclipse your dependence on me, you stop trusting me, and you stop needing me. Hmm. And for somebody like me who likes control, God most often wants me to be needy. He wants me to be in a posture of dependence, not in a posture of needing to be in control. And I know that so often, I have so many friends that are single, and, and I see this uh, come up in their lives, and this comes up in our conversations all the time, the, the, this tension between good desires and healthy desires and even godly desires versus dependence. I mean, when it comes to, I mean, just think through your own life and your own story right now. When it comes to maybe an internal timeline uh, for how you thought your life should go or where you should be at in your career or, you know, you should be in a relationship by now and you should be married and, and potentially maybe have 2.5 kids in your house, you know, your internal timeline. Is your desire for how your life goes greater and your dependence on God? Does that internal timeline, do you think about that more than you think about being in a dependence with God? Or, or maybe for you, and, and, and I know, I, I, I know that this is true of many people in this room. You have been planning your wedding your entire life. I mean, you have, you have pages torn out of magazines. You know exactly what color the napkins are going to be. You know who you're going to invite and definitely who you're not going to invite. <laughs> and if you're really honest, every time an invitation comes in the mail or every time you sit at one of your friends' weddings, there's this little trigger of your own desire. And that desire flares up and potentially even your disappointment flares up. And if you're really honest, I wonder, does that eclipse your dependence on God in the moment? Is that desire bigger than your dependence on God? Or maybe uh, for some of you, you're in a relationship right now, and it's a good relationship, and, and, and you're, you're enjoying it, and, and there, there's a certain level of it that, you know, you go, this is fun, and this is exciting, and, and maybe, maybe this is going to, you know, turn into more. And are your desires for that relationship, are those 
pushing some of the pacing or, or is that pushing some of the health of that relationship to move faster than maybe it should? And, and that desire is starting to eclipse your dependence on God with that actual relationship. Or maybe it has to do with those lists that we made earlier. And there's a part of you where there is no perfect person for you. And you sort of line everybody up and you're like, oh, they don't have that. Sorry. And there's this part of you that is so desirous of the perfect person that you can't even see that you yourself are not the perfect person. <laughs> and you're not dependent upon God for the development of your own character, your own growth. And I think that this tension is a huge tension because desire is a good thing, but dependence is better. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, right in the scriptures, desire, it's not bad, it's good. In fact, God tells us to desire, but it's when our desires are fueled through delighting and depending on ourselves versus delighting and depending on God, that's when we get into trouble. So, you know, as we've been talking about this, I mean, if you're like me, you're wondering, okay, that's great. So, so how do I move from these desires which are good but can end up driving my life to dependence on God, which is better, right? How, how does that work? How do I take these things that maybe are true of you, like Jeannie just mentioned, that's true of you. You know, you're, you're no different than Jacob in that story. You know, you're just so kind of obsessed by this thing that you just can't even see right. How do you move from desire to dependence. So the truth is, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen in one day. It doesn't happen in one message. It's not like you're going to walk out of here like, I depend on God. You know, it's like, it doesn't happen in one prayer. Honestly, it happens in lots of daily prayers. When you feel yourself saying, uh, God, I, f or not even God, but I feel I need to fill in the blank. I feel I need to impress this person to sort of move this thing forward in a relationship. I feel I need to continue to do this sort of habit that I've been doing because I know that this keeps us together. When you feel the need to just fill in the blank, you can just say out loud to God in that moment. In that moment, you can say, God, I feel I need to, but I know I need you. God, I feel I need to, but I know I need you. I'm going to actually have you say that with me so you remember it because it's one of those prayers. It's very simple but very powerful and can actually sort of stop you in your tracks and, and change your perspective and sort of maybe even change sort of the blinders that you may have on. So we're going to say this. It's God, I feel I need to, but God, I know I need you. So let's say that. God, I feel I need to, but God, I know I need you. When you feel like you're saying, God, I, I feel like I need to be married by the time I'm 30. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why that's the magic number. But for whatever reason, my parents are giving me pressure on it. All my friends have gotten married. I feel like I need to be married. You say, God, I, I feel that desire. I feel I need to do this, and it's starting to drive me. I know, God, I need you, and I trust your timing. God, I, I feel like I, I sort of have to keep on, you know, 
changing or acting differently to sort of impress this person. God, I feel like I, I, I have to sort of be something that I'm not, be someone who you've not created me to be to try and win the affection of a person who ultimately won't even know me because I'm trying to be what I think they want me to be. God, I feel that. But I know I need you, and I want to trust and depend on who you are and who you've created me to be. God, I, I feel I, I need to keep sleeping with my boyfriend. I need to keep sleeping with my girlfriend for them to stay with me. I just, the, the, I don't know how these rules got made, but God, I feel like if I stop giving him or giving her what I think they want, this thing's over. Instead, say no. God, I need you. And what do you want for this relationship based on who you are and the truth that comes from your word? God, I feel I need to. But God, I know I need you. I desire this, not a bad thing. But I'm choosing to depend on you. Such a better thing. There's an amazing um, passage in 1 Corinthians. And... Um, in chapter 7, Paul is, is talking about um, being married and being single, and, and right in the middle of it, um, he says this profound truth. It's 1 Corinthians seven seventeen. It says this. I'm going to read it to you from the message version. And don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. God, not your marital status, defines your life. And Paul says that the way that that works itself out is in the living and in the obeying and in the loving and in the believing. And that's what dependence is. It's in the living and the loving and the obeying and the believing. That's, that's how dependence works itself out in our lives. And can you just imagine if, if there were a group of people that were to, to rise up in the city of Charlotte that said, I don't care. I don't care what my Facebook status says. It doesn't matter to me. Because my status ultimately is dependent. I am dependent on God. Because that never changes regardless of your relational status. That's something that never ends. From Genesis to when we are with Jesus face to face, God desires for dependence. He desires for relationship. And so why don't we pray together and, and pray this prayer. So if you don't mind just uh, bowing your head. And, and maybe for you, uh, you just need to think through um, what is that thing that if you were to fill in the blank and you were to say, I need to, uh, I need to control this, or I, I, I desire this, just fill that in right now and ask the Spirit of God to replace that with dependence. So, what, so whatever it is for you, just in, in the quietness of your heart and your mind, just identify that, pinpoint it. Maybe you even want to say, God, I'm, I'm sorry that I keep running back to that. 
I'm sorry that I keep making that the top of my list, that I keep making that my obsession. Make my desire for dependence, God. Make that the desire of my heart. And may the truth of this passage live deeply within you, that you don't need to wish that you were someplace else or with someone else, because where you are right now is God's place for you. And so God, help us to live and obey and love and believe and depend on you. May this be true of all of us, God. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.